One look at the church tonight. Jesus will build his church. Ever since uh, about 1855, 1855, not 1955, there's been a church right here, right on this site. As people settled here, moved here to cut the timber and set up a town and establish a home for themselves, they built a church. And so uh, it's been one here since that time. And as we talked about this morning, and pastors do come and pastors do go. So I don't know how many it's been since 1855, but there's been one, then another, another, another. And it'll be that way until Jesus comes back. But through it all, uh, Jesus is the one who builds church. It's not me, it's not you, it's not us, it's Jesus. So how do we know that? Well, just take a look at it. Let's go to Matthew 16, where we're going to be tonight. Matthew 16, uh, Jesus gathered his disciples up. They've been doing a lot of work, a lot of ministry, and he gathered them up. And he said, just uh, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples a question. He just wanted to know what they're hearing, what they're learning, what they're knowing. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Uh, disciples, as you go into the marketplace and you buy us food and you meet people and you come back and we eat together, as you understand people around you as you meet them, who do they say I am? Who do they say the Son of Man is? Is there some information going around out there that I don't know about that maybe you do? do? Uh, and, and so they replied, well, some say John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist had already been beheaded by now, by this time uh, that he asked the question. So some people thought it's John the Baptist had come back to life and Jesus is him because John had come before Jesus and he was preaching, like we said this morning, that message of repentance. Uh, that people were coming and hearing him and getting right with God and getting baptized. And so uh, later on, he got arrested because he was preaching the gospel and preaching the truth and the king didn't like what he had to say. And the king's wife liked it even less and uh, had him had him beheaded. And so uh, some people thought it's John the Baptist come back. Well, others said Elijah. He was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And so they thought maybe this Jesus that's here now, he's Elijah. Still others, well, maybe it's Jeremiah. He's a great prophet also, and maybe that's who Jesus is. And Well, we don't know for sure, but just one of the prophets, one of the great prophets of old has come back, and so they're getting a lot of answers. They're getting a lot of information out there. They're getting a lot of news that's going on in the marketplace, and they're just telling Jesus what we're hearing. Well, but then Jesus said, okay, uh, that's the people in the marketplace. That's the people you're encountering. That's the people you're coming across. But wait a minute. He said, what about you? Talking to the disciples, the 12 men gathered in front of them, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And so he comes to us the same way. Who do you say that Jesus is? Not what you hear out there on the streets, not what you read somewhere in a book, not what you see on TV, not what you're listening to in in some uh, place or somebody, but what about you? You know, we have to come to the conclusion, who do we decide Jesus is to us? Not who he is to the world, not who he is to what people say, not what I read in some book somewhere, not what I saw on TV or in a movie, but who do I say Jesus is? Who, how, have I, how have I drawn the conclusion who Jesus is to me? And that's what he's asking them, and he asked us the same question. Well, Simon Peter, who was always quick to uh, speak up usually, he answered, he said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been hearing about for years and years in the prophets from Jeremiah, Isaiah, and so forth. And he said, you're the one. You're, you're the one we've been reading about and hearing about uh, through the years, and you're him. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, <laughs> blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, 
You didn't hear it on the street somewhere. Somebody didn't tell you in the marketplace, Jesus is the Messiah. Somebody didn't invite you over and say, I figured out who he is and told you. It wasn't revealed that way, but it's revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And so it is with you and I. You know, when we come to that final conclusion, I know who Jesus is to me. It wasn't because of what they told me or they told me or what I read in some book. It's simply I came to the conclusion who Jesus is to me. And I can go back in my life to, to my testimony and uh, when I was saved and realized who Jesus was to me. I'd been hearing some news. I'd been hearing some scripture. I'd been hearing testimonies. But I had to make that conclusion just like each one of us had to. And so as a result of that, God the Father reveals who Jesus is to us just like he did to Simon. And so then Jesus said, I tell you that you're Peter. All of a sudden, (laughs) Jesus changed names. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. But now he says, I'm renaming you, Simon. You're not Simon anymore. I'm going to call you another name. You're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Well, now we get into a whole other realm of what's he talking about. So we'll just take this one verse for a little bit and take a look at what it really means. So he changed his name to Peter. Well, what does Peter mean? Peter in Greek, that he named him, is, means rock or stone. It means a chip off the old block. It means part of a, a boulder. It's something that was scraped off of a boulder. It's like a, a gravel. It's like uh, rocks in the driveway or wherever it may be that you walk or something. And so it's just, that's all the word Peter means is rock or stone. And we get that out of also Ephesians 2 brings this out also. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and the members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So Jesus is talking about the church as the people. The church is never a building. The church is always the people. And so Ephesians comes in there talking about Peter, the rock, and the disciples, and what Jesus said he would, on this rock I'll build my church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on what you're saying and who you are and what this testimony you have about who Jesus is. So let's look at it this way. Let's take, I don't have any rocks. didn't want to bring any rocks in here and get the place dirty or anything like that. So let's take this. Notice what the scripture says. It says, Jesus is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. So you come back and get the word rock or stone. And Jesus said, I am the cornerstone. So at, at our farm where we live, there's a big old barn up there. And that barn was built in about 1942 by my, by my grandfather and some other men, I'm sure. And on the posts that are standing up, like if these are the posts that hold up the, the barn, on the bottom of the post, underneath the post, on the ground, are great old big rocks, you know, big stones like this. And in that day and time, they didn't build things like they do now. The foundation of this building, this is concrete all up under here. They poured all this concrete and then built the foundation. Uh, that was the foundation and built the building on that. Years and years ago, they didn't do that. They didn't have concrete, concrete trucks and all that. So they put big rocks down and then they put a post up on top of it, keep it off the ground and keep it from rotting, give it a firm foundation on the ground and they build up from there. And then another post, another post. And so they'd build up from those rocks. Well, 
let's just visualize this is a rock and this is the ground. So Jesus, as he's talking about here in this verse, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But wait, Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. So on the corner, the whoever the builder is of a barn or, or any other building at that day and time, there'd be a cornerstone, meaning this is our starting point. This is our level spot right here. We put a post, we put a rock here, we put a post up here, and everything else works off of that. That's our level. Then the next cornerstone or the next rock is over here and over here and over here. But all of it starts right here to get us that balance, to get us that level, to get us that starting point to build the rest of the building. And so Jesus is saying the same thing about the church, the people. He said, I'm the cornerstone. It all begins with me. But he told Peter, he said, on you, tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So he said, I'm going to build that rock with you. I'm going to be the cornerstone. But then there's going to be another one laid out there by it as foundation, and another one, another one, another one, another one, all through history, right up through us. And so somebody had to be the first rock to come off the cornerstone. Who was it? (laughs) Peter. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church. So Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the beginning point. He's the foundation. And off of that, here's Peter. Here's the rest of the disciples. And then as we get in a little bit on the book of Acts, we're going to see that uh, more are coming. That's how the church is built. That's the church. Jesus is the cornerstone. And then here's you, here's me, here's others, here's others, here's others. And all these rocks, all these Peters, all these stones are the foundation of the church. Is that sensible? Am Am I getting this to you? So let's look at it again, Ephesians. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens of God's people and members of God's household. And so he's talking to the people at Ephesus there. So as those people at Ephesus, here's a person in Ephesus that got saved, and here's another one, another one, another one, another one. One started it, and the others built on it. But, oh, Jesus was the cornerstone. He started it, and everything else builds off that. Same then, same today. Okay? Now, look at Revelation 21. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, Jesus. So again, he's saying here's some uh, cornerstone, here's foundation, foundation rocks. Here's Peter, John, Nathaniel, all the others, the 12 others. That Jesus was the cornerstone, but all those others part of the foundation. And then as Christianity spread, here's another one, another name, another name. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger on through today. Okay? First Corinthians 3.10. By the grace God has given me, Paul is talking here, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, but someone else is building on it. I went to Ephesus or Corinth or Philippi or wherever else he went and started churches. And he said, I laid a foundation, Jesus being the cornerstone, but somebody there had to be saved in order to start the church in that city, Corinth, let's say, or Ephesus or wherever else it may have been. So it was the first person there to start the church in that area. So by the grace of God, 
It's given me a later foundation expert builder, someone else is building on it. So as time went by, somebody else is added, somebody else is added, more, more, more. But each one should be careful how he builds. As the church is being laid out on the foundation of this person, that person, Jesus being the cornerstone, have to be real careful how it's built. For lo, no one can lay any other foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. See, if we remove him, Jesus, as the chief cornerstone, and we try to build a church without him as a foundation, what do we have? <laughs> something's going to crumble. Something's going to fall. It won't hold up. It won't last. It won't even be the church that Jesus started because he's not the cornerstone. And people try to do that out in the world. Well, I'll just start a new church. I'll just start a new uh, ministry. I'll just start a new something else. And they leave Jesus out. <laughs> and it's not even the church, not even Christianity. But we've seen it and we've heard it and we've noticed it through the years probably. So Jesus, uh, Paul is saying here, no one else can lay out the foundation than one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's, Jesus started the church. and He'll finish the church. You're Peter. You're the rock. I'll be on my church on that. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Nothing will ever conquer the church. Okay? Now, let's look at a definition of the word church. Again, this is going to be in the next several months, just kind of like, kind of like this morning started the gospel. So we need definitions out there. We need words out there to understand where all this, what all this means about what the church is. So here's the church. Church is simply assembly. Us tonight. We are assembled here in this place, so the church is assembled here tonight. It's a gathering. That's what we've done today. We gathered this morning. We gathered tonight. We gathered for breakfast, and we gathered for morning worship, and we gathered tonight worship. And so we're just a gathering of people of the church. We are a community of faithful believers in Christ of whom he is the head. He is the cornerstone. He is the head. We are the assembly, the gathering. We are a community of believers following him, faithful to him. And so he's the head of the church. Another word is the called out ones, called out ones from the world and called into the kingdom of God. That's the church. We're called out of the world, not to live like the world, act like the world, do what the world does. We're different. We don't do the things the world does. We're called out of the world into the kingdom of God. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. We're his body. We're his fingers and his feet and his tongues and his eyes and his ears. And we go out into the world and we minister on behalf of him because we're his body. Also, those filled with the Holy Spirit. The church is filled with the Holy Spirit. Each individual that's ever been saved has been filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what we get when we get saved is Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, we're the church. So all of those definitions, all those words, all those phrases are the church. It just tells in different ways describing what the church is as different scriptures we're going to be looking at through the next several months to talk about what is the church. So bottom line, you're the church if you're saved tonight. All the assembly, the gathering, and so forth. Well, he made another statement here. and tell you that you're Peter, you're the rock, and on this rock... On Peter, that's being added to the church. Another one, another one, another one. I'll build my church. And as a result of that, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So what is the gates of Hades? Well, 
means this. Jesus was telling his disciples his death would not prevent his work, his work of building the church. When Jesus was crucified, that didn't stop the church from starting and moving forward. It was simply the beginning of it because he was resurrected, ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit to come into this world, which you're going to see in a minute in the book of Acts, about how this all started. So therefore, Jesus was preparing his death and his victory over death through the resurrection. So gates of Hades is simply death. Death does not stop the church from growing and building. You can go back all through the, since 1855, here on this place, the cemetery is full of people <laughs> that used to live here. I mean, used to be here, uh, worked in the church, and they're over there now. They're across the street. But you know, even when that person died, this church still went on. I go back to when I first came here. Drew and Sue's mother, <laughs> Odalee Pestnell. I mean, she had been one of the few, along with Leroy and his folks and the Whitmans and the Pestnells and, and some of those families like that. Uh, they were, you know, they were solid people of this community that generations ago they were here. And uh, they're across the road now. But the church's still going. And there'll come a day that some of us can be over there in the cemetery. <laughs> but you know, the church keep going it, it, because it always has since 1855. So, so just because of death, and that's what Jesus is trying to tell them and tells us, tells us today that the gates of Hades won't overcome the church, won't defeat the church. Death does not defeat the church. Even the death of Jesus wouldn't defeat it because he said, when I go to heaven, I send the Holy Spirit back. And the Holy Spirit is the one who fills the church, who fills the people, the assembly, and therefore there's no end to it as a result. Well, it goes on, verse 19. And so he says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Saying to Peter, tell you that you're on you, that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is he talking about? The keys. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. When someone had keys in that day and time, it represented someone in authority. Represented they had the authority to unlock a door. Um, at a bank, only a few people have the authority to open the door in the morning at a bank. You and I don't have one, do we? I mean, anybody in here got a key to the bank? Okay, you don't. Only a few people have the authority to go into the bank in the morning and lock it. And then we can come in when it's time to open. If it's not open, the doors are locked. We don't have the authority to go in there and unlock it. Nor do we have the authority to break it down or push it down or anything else or pick the lock or whatever else. We don't have the authority. And so when somebody has keys, it means they represent authority. Keys to a bank, keys to a store, keys to whatever. Well, same thing with what he's talking about with the kingdom of heaven. Peter was given that authority to bind and loose, that is to open and close in the kingdom of heaven while it's here on earth. So Peter and, and any other Christian, anybody else that's on the foundation here that's been added over the years, has the authority to open and close with the gospel that we started this morning. It all comes together to each other to share, open it up and share it with somebody or to close it, hide it from somebody if, if so we would. I'm not sure why we would do that. But, but nevertheless, opening and closing, have the, having that authority 
somebody that's part of the foundation of the church, that's the assembly, the body of Christ, has the authority, just like he's saying here, to bind on earth bind what's bound in heaven, loose on earth what's loose in heaven. In other words, say, God, what do you want from heaven? What, what do you want on earth that you have in heaven? People to be saved? Oh, okay. People to go to heaven? Okay. You know, what you want from heaven, what your will is, we want to carry it out on the earth. And so that's what it means by this authority having the keys. We carry out God's will in heaven on earth as a result of being part of the foundation. Okay? So, keys would be the gospel going out in the world, just like we talked about this morning, beginning in Mark. It's taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus, all of what he did to start the church, and we take that out in the world. We're just showing the world, here's what Jesus is, here's who Jesus is, here's what the church is, here's what the church does, and we're just carrying the gospel out of the world through the disciples then and through us today for preaching, ministering, witnessing, telling others, sharing testimonies, just doing God's work, God's way in the world in which we live, just carrying it out there because now we've got the authority. We've got the keys. He's given us the keys to heaven and said, now, now go and use it. Not like these, but like this, the gospel. And so we just share it, we take it, go with it wherever he wants us to go. So then, verse 16, uh, I mean verse 20, chapter verse 16, then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. His time had not come. He didn't need people to know, he didn't need everybody to know yet that he was the Christ, the Messiah, because they would come to him for the wrong reason, just like so many times they did. Uh, Jesus, can you come heal my son? Jesus, can you come heal my daughter? Jesus, can you come heal me? That wasn't why he came. <laughs> he didn't come to heal anybody. He came to save everybody. Healing was simply a mark or a showing or a realization of his power to prove to the world who he was, Son of God, and the Messiah, the Christ. And so he had to represent God to say, I've got the power. Let me show you. I'll heal you. See, I'm the Son of God. And so it's simply a proof of who he was, not for his mission of what he came for. So he warned him not to tell everybody he's the Christ. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. Close with this. Peter, all right, let's back it up. All right, I tell you that on, that you, I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Why did he say that? Because Peter said that you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And so he had a confession, he had a testimony, and he said, now I call you Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'm the cornerstone. You're the first addition to the church, Peter. Now, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus was the day of Pentecost. 50 days came, I mean, Pentecost came 50 days after the Passover. And so after Jesus was resurrected and Passover came, everybody's in town, everybody's meeting up in Jerusalem. And of all things, that day... Peter stood up along with the other 11 and he raised his voice, got real loud with his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Hey, I got something to say, you know, everybody. Y'all just listen up a minute. And he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And he went on to preach. He went on to share a message about Jesus. 
He shared the gospel, in other words. And we'll be looking that later, the message. But to just get the point of what he was doing, those who accepted his message were baptized. They repented of their sin. They realized they were sinners. They realized the gospel. They realized Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah, the Christ. And so they got saved, and then they were baptized. And then look, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So now... <laughs> A lot more rocks got added to the foundation. In fact, 3,000, it says that day. They already had 12, Peter, and there were there 11. And now they've added 3,000 more with Jesus as the cornerstone, the capstone, all being built on him. But the church began to grow. They now had 3,012 members, if you will. The assembly just got larger on the day of Pentecost. And so as a result of what he had told Peter, you know, on, the, on you... <clears throat> On this rock, I'll build my church. Well, Peter went to work. Peter wasn't ready the day he told him that, but 50 days later he was. And he stood up and he preached. And 3,000 people got saved. And the church began to grow from there. And so it was then, so it is now, that Jesus is the one who's going to build the church. He's the one that saves people. He's the one that uh, brings people into the kingdom we share the word, we share the gospel, we tell people about how to be saved and what it is to become the church, but it's Jesus is the one that wins the soul. It's Jesus is the one that saves the person. He is the capstone, the cornerstone. We're just parts of the foundation that he started, and he is the one who builds the church. Not us, not anything we do, except what Peter did. Let me tell you about Jesus. And we just take the gospel and we begin to share it. Um, no, wait on. Okay, uh, I've got a little book of John that I'm I want to wait and bring it in on the gospel on Sunday morning. Uh, that we can just take out and we share with people. It's just a, about real thin. It's real, real small. It's the book of John all by itself, and it's just something we we can carry to somebody. We can lay it on our table at the restaurant. We can drop it off at the counter at Walmart. We can hand it to somebody, we can do whatever we want to with it, but it's just sharing the gospel through the book of John, and as a result of that, we're doing this right here, what Peter did. Let me just tell you about what Jesus is. Let me tell you who he is. And we don't have to say a word, we can just share it with somebody. Let me give you something, let me hand you something, let me drop something off at your house, at your table, or whatever it may be. It'll be up to you to however you want to do it. And that's growing the church. Jesus is growing the church. Then he takes the gospel to John. Then he share, he speaks to somebody's heart, and they get saved, and they become part of the church. They become part of that assembly. They become part of that gathering, that community of faithful, faithful believers. They're the body of Christ, and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here we go then, just this beginning of Jesus building the church, and we just move on through this of showing what Jesus does, who the church is. It's him, and it's us all working together, building his church his way.